0: So, last week in chapter 1, Haggai says, listen, you need to get your priorities in order. If you don't get your priorities in order and get the ways of God back into your own personal life, then you're going to struggle for the rest of your life. And today, we get to Haggai 2, and in Haggai 2... Haggai is motivating the leaders, Zerubbabel and Joshua and the people of God to consider their current economic and their social circumstances, and helps them try to figure out how to renew their efforts to complete the work of the temple. Now, it's important for me to paint this picture because we're in the Old Testament. So there are some people who are like, Chuck, I thought when Jesus came in the New Testament that all things were new, so the Old Testament doesn't matter. But that's just not true. Because when you look in the Old Testament, you find Jesus from the beginning of time all the way through the book of Malachi before Matthew even happens. So Jesus is alive and well in the book of Haggai. So when we talk about the temple, there are two things happening here there is a physical temple that the people have come back to Jerusalem to rebuild. Once upon a time, it was grand and glorious because Solomon had built the grandest temple ever known to man. So they're rebuilding that, and in Haggai 1, he's saying get busy doing the work of the Lord. But there's also a simultaneous temple being built over here on the other side, which is the connection between Jesus and the Old Testament prophet of Haggai. Haggai is saying you better get focused on the temple. In the New Testament, Jesus teaches that when he enters your body, you become... The temple. Are you with me? And so what happens here is he's saying, if you are called the people of God, if you're saying you're the people of God, in other words, in our world today, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you better get busy working on your temple. Stop worrying about everybody else's temple. You better get worried on your temple. And Haggai's first message address the people's unwarranted contentment. Because in chapter 1, they, had, they, had, they were busy. They were super busy. They were working hard, but they were working on all their things, all the things that are temporal. And they'd left alone the things of God. So their temple and the temple were both just destroyed. Are you with me? So he comes in chapter 2 now, and he says, you need to get past that unwarranted contentment. And now he's talking to them about an unwarranted discontent. Because now they're looking around and they're saying, well, we've worked on the temple some, but it's just not as cool as it was after Solomon did it. And, you know, I mean, look at it. Just, the air conditioner's is loud. And, you know, it's, the music's loud. And the preacher's long. And, I mean, seriously, there's so many cooler places we could spend on Sunday morning. There's a lake just up the road. And, by the way, brunch is awesome. It's my only day off. I, we don't have time to work on the temple. I mean, come on. And all of a sudden, Haggai is saying, guys, you, you, you better get it together. Remember, God got your attention when he puts you back over in Babylon. Do you want him to get your attention that badly again? And I think he's saying to America, you better, better, better perk up here. And in Haggai 2, he says, then on October 17th of the same year, the Lord sent another message through the prophet Haggai. I say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. Now, that's an important picture, the remnant. The remnant are the people that are people of faith that have stuck through all the challenge. They never gave up on God. But notice that it's a remnant. It's not the mass. It's just a small string of people. You know, in every church, there is a remnant of people who have come through all the changes and come through all the change and come through all of the seasons of both up and down and good and bad and loud and soft and short and all of the things. And all the while, it wasn't about the style of the church. It was about the God that the church was there to worship. And that remnant has stuck through all this time. There was the same remnant then and there's the same remnant today but he says that he's speaking to these people. He's speaking to leadership, and he's speaking to the remnant, and he's speaking to the masses. And he he goes on, and and, and he makes this point. Does anyone remember in verse 3, this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. He's saying this temple, it was really something once upon a time. But now watch this. I don't want you to miss the juxtaposition of the two temples because this temple, the one that lives within us, he's saying once upon a time when you said yes to Jesus and you had a new life, all of a sudden things were shiny and bright, but you got lazy in your Christianity and you stopped growing and you decided to walk away from the Lord. Now, you're still saved. Jesus is still alive in you. The Spirit of God is there, but you have squelched him down so much because you've decided, I know best with my life. I have no time for God in my life. And by the way, I don't have to be obedient. I've got heaven. What do I have to worry about? And you have to worry about not receiving all that God has for you and living a life in which you will wind up in captivity to sin and not with him. You say, well, Chuck, that's just a little harsh. You doggone right it is. Because the scripture's pretty harsh about this. You say, well, Chuck, I like it when you preach those lovey-dovey sermons. Those are a lot more fun. Did you know that equal truth is found in both? So we got to take it all. You can't just take the lovey-dovey without recognizing that repentance and a call back to God is a part of this world. This is how God works. He goes on and he makes this statement. I love this. In verse 4, but now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now watch this. You know who he's speaking to when he says get back to work? He's speaking to the people of God. Get to work. Do you know that in my, in my generation, I'll be 63 in a few weeks. How many of you are between 50 and 65? Can I see your hand between 50 and 65? Well, there's a fair amount of you. You know what the great challenge in this generation is? We quit. We got our kids through school, so we stopped working in student ministry. We got our, we got our kids off to, high, off to college, so now we just travel every weekend. You know, we, we, we just, we're just done. We're done with life, and we're done with church, and you know what? We'll watch online every now and then, but I mean, that's cool, right? I mean, I still love God, but are you in the scriptures on a daily basis? Are you speaking to the Lord every day? Are, are, you, are you pouring into your kids and your grandkids the truth of God's love? Are you doing anything for the kingdom, or are you just walking through life just thinking, man, I'm good, I got heaven, and all the while, this temple is being destroyed because there's simply a laziness that has been birthed into the American church that says we don't have to get to work because we just want to be comfortable. And all the while, I believe God is saying, if you want to find the problem in America, it's not donkeys, it's not elephants, it's not schools, it's not police officers. Do you know what the challenge in America is? Lazy, stinking Christians. That's the problem in America. No claps on that one. You say, well, Chuck, listen, that really, good. you just get back reading the scriptures. That's easier. Okay. Verse 5 says, my spirit remains among you just as promised when I come out of Egypt. So do not be afraid, for this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the tre- treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. In this place, I will bring, are you ready for it, peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Now watch this. Over in this temple, all those things will reside, but over in this temple the glory of God resides. We get the good stuff. All the other stuff is in the building. We get the good stuff. We get the presence of God, the power of God. We get all the things of the Spirit of God. You say, but Chuck, what about the Spirit of God that I'm reading about? I thought he didn't come along until after Jesus ascended back to heaven. No, watch this. At the creation was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God has always been is now, and will always be. The Son of God has always been, is now, and will always be. The Father God of creation has always been, is now, and forever will be. The triune God. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. Do you see it? And at the end of the day, the person that we are missing in America today is the triune, thrice holy God. I know that's our challenge. And Haggai motivates his leaders and says, "You need to get after it." Because the key to understanding this is that we need, found in verses 1 through 5, we need a godly plan. This world, our life, we need a godly plan. You say, "Well, Chuck, I have a plan." Do you have a godly plan? "Well, Chuck, I, I you know how hard I work in my plan or to have my plan. I've gone to a planning workshop to learn how to plan my plan." I know some of you that have spent more time planning your plan that your plan is your plan. And you spend all your time on your plan. I know that because I'm one of you. And all the while, you know what the Lord says? Get to work. I put it all around you. Get to work. I put people all around you. that ought to be an empty gray seats right now. I put them all around you. Get to work. You see, we need a godly plan. in our humanity, and some of us are more human than others, but in our humanity, we could never build a building that could honor the glory of God enough. You could never build something that is as grand and wonderful that would meet the glory of God. Do you know why we don't want to build edifices here? Because nothing compares to the glory of God that lives within this temple. This temple. Because I promise you it's all about the heart, not the building. It's about the heart, not just the name of the church. God couldn't give a hoot about what the name of this church is. He wants this church's heart. And so when we go after that, we'll know that in our mortality and humanity, we need his plan. We need his plan. The questions being asked point to times when you'd say, well, was there a time I could remember the glory of God? You say, well, Chuck, I remember a story like he parted the Red Sea and some of those people walked across. No, they all did. Well, Chuck, I I remember hearing the story as a kid about this dude who went the wrong way and he was swallowed by a great fish. And listen, when I get to heaven, he's one of the first guys I want to talk to. I mean, I want to ask Jonah, was it really as gross as I imagine? You say, "Well, well, Chuck, how do you know he's going to be there? Well, then you can ask him. See, that one hurt, didn't it? But now watch this. Zerubbabel is challenged to call the people out. And as you can tell, that's my goal today, right? I I mean, normally I'm not quite this nasty. But can I just say to you, when I read the scripture, somebody's got to call America out. At some point, the church has got to stop and say, that's enough. And stop pointing fingers about what everybody else ought to do. And we got to get God in our heart. Because you get God in our heart, we'll start changing our world. You say, well, not as long as they're in power. Let me ask you something. Do you really believe donkeys and elephants rule the world or does God hold it in his palm of his hand? And what I'd say to you is, I know that I know that I know it's in the palm of God's hand as he's bigger than any donkey and he's bigger than any elephant. Amen. Warren, you hit me on that one, didn't you? I like that. You, know, you look at this, you say, difficult or un, un, you know, unpleasant comparisons of the past are not helping you in your future. At some point, we got to look at this. Haggai 2.3 says, does anyone, anyone remember this house? I mean, it must have been awesome, right? The Bible never covers up matters. This is what I love about Scripture. The Bible never takes a difficult situation and sweeps it under the rug and says, let's just get along. As a matter of fact, the Bible in every circumstance says, deal with it. And what he's saying with this right now is deal with your sin so that your temple can experience the glory of God. But if you don't deal with your sin, you'll never experience the glory of God. And you say, well, Chuck, I'm doing pretty good. Okay, well, let's see how that works for you. Because every time that I have allowed sin to rule my life, I have found that my temple is destroyed and I find myself in captivity to sin, and I find myself off the grid of God's desire, and when I come back, here's the beautiful thing. God says, let's not do that anymore, but welcome home. See, that's the God we serve. God doesn't want to thump you on the head. He just wants to get your attention so that you can come home. But see, we have a human responsibility. Three times in verse 4, it says, be strong, be strong, be strong. We have a human responsibility. we got to step up to the plate and deal with the problem of sin in our world. The people were to be strong and to get on with the work because God was at work. You see, our challenge is we know that God is at work. We just don't get off of our chair and go join him in it. We have believed in the American church. You can write enough checks that you don't have to go and do anything. And the problem is at no time did jesus say you're off the hook to tell the world about me you're off the hook to go love those people you're off the hook to love people who don't love you jesus said you're on the hook to love people and go and tell people about me and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and then teach them all these things that i've taught you and then in the birth of the church it was that we were to do it in our neighborhood in our county in our state in our our nation and around the world. And guess what? You're saying, well, Chuck, you know, I'm I'm just not gifted that way. Bless the Lord. And you know what I'd say? That is just lazy. Don't be a lazy bum, Christian. Join God in his work. Man, this is one of the greatest things ever. One of the greatest experiences I've had in years was in Uvalde, Texas, 106 degrees, watching God at work in the lives of people. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. The power of God's call for us is to be strong. It's part of God's name also that he also says, Be strong because I am, are you ready? With you. He says, I am with you. It is a part of his name. You know what his name is? Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? God with us. Jesus came so that God could be with We have a human responsibility, knowing that God is with us, to be strong. You know why? We have a divine presence. He is with us. But we also have a divine promise. Listen, verse 5 says this. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so don't be afraid. So, in other words, you can know that the Spirit of God has always been and is with you. You say, well, Chuck, listen, if I were to go invite somebody to come to church this week, I would be revealing to them that I'm a hypocrite because they've heard me talk trash all week long. And, I mean, I've had a few beers with them after work, and they're going to see me for who I am. Okay, I want to share this with you. They already know who you are. Because they know who they are. Here's what we know about everyone in this room. Starting with this one. We are all hypocrites. Do you know how I know that? Because we are all sinners. And we all need a savior. And that savior is free for the asking. Because he gave us a promise that my spirit remains with you, and I will give you strength. We have a divine spirit, my friend. We have a divine spirit. My spirit remains with you. David prayed in Psalm 51 that the Holy Spirit wouldn't leave him. Zachariah confessed, not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I mean, the presence of the Holy Spirit is a powerful thing in your life, but when your temple is run down because you've walked away from the things of God, you don't feel the Spirit of God in you because you have replaced him in the priority of your life with all the junk that the world offers you. You say, but how do I do that? Listen, every Tuesday morning, a garbage truck comes by my house. And every Monday night, I roll my garbage can down to the end of the driveway. How many of y'all do this? Y'all do this? Yeah, 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 good. I roll it down and I put it there. And you know what? I, I put that last bag in because I want to make sure that I put that last bag in. And when I put the last bag in on Monday night and I open the lid, you know what I don't do? I don't open the lid, drop it in and go, oh. <laughs> you know why I don't do that? It stinks. <laughs> the stuff I put in there last Wednesday is still there. It's 100 degrees. It, it, it's nasty. Let's go back over to this temple. All week long, I put garbage in this temple. I put the world's garbage. I, I, I put its filth and its shame and its sin, and I just I let it build up. And you know, if I don't deal with it, it starts rotting. And when it gets rotting, it stinks, and my soul begins to stink, and I'm filled with the world's garbage. And you say, but how do I get rid of it? <laughs> Once again, God made it incredibly simple. You don't even have to roll it down to the end of the driveway. All you've got to do is this one thing. Are you ready? This is a word we hate in America today. All we have to do is repent. You say, well, I don't even know what that means. Watch this. I'm looking at y'all. Can you see me? Good. What's your name? What's your name? Yeah. Okay. You can see me, right? I'm Chuck. Okay. (laughs) Watch this. I'm looking at you. I got you. And watch this. Now I'm not. This is repentance. I'm looking at the world and trusting it. I'm turning to trust God. That's repentance. It's that simple. You say, well, Chuck, how do I do that? If I could get the 930 crowd to do this, that would bless me so much. But now watch this. Chuck, how do I do? I don't even know how to do that. Friend, listen to me. You have an invincible kingdom in the presence of God. And that invincible kingdom is led by an invincible king. And that king loves you and wants you to live his plan. That king desires you to live for him. He is immovable because he created you. He created you for good things and good work. He created you and he loves you. He adores you. So much so that he sent his son, part of him, into this filth so that he could live a life and be crucified for you. That he could be buried for you. That he could raise from the dead for you. So that you could, in repentance, say, Jesus, my life's filled with some garbage. Would you empty it? And in that ask, with a heart that says, Jesus, I want you, it's like hitting the trash bin on your computer. It's gone. And the scripture says that he throws it as far as the east is from the west. There is no east pole and north pole. It's thrown into infinity. And your temple is brand spanking new again. And you get to fill it with all the good things of God. And you get to choose do I want God or do I not? And you can stop complaining about all the world and you can take all of God that you want. You know how much God I know you want? I know exactly how much God you want. Because you can have all he's got. All you got to do is ask him for it. You say, Chuck, I want want this invincible king. I'm I'm, I'm ready for him. I, I, I want all that. Then it's that simple. You want to fill your temple? You repent. Well, Chuck, listen, I... I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can change all that stuff. Chuck it out. I, I don't. I don't know if I can give up all that stuff. I, for me to go invite that person, for me to just to repent. Do, do you know I'd have to stand before God and it, when He starts emptying, He's going to see all that stuff. I, I want to take that all that burden and guilt off of you. You ready? He's already seen it, and He still loves you. He knows your garbage can's running over, and He still wants to take it. He knows that your temple's run down, and he still wants to rebuild it. He knows your marriage is a mess, and he still wants to restore it. He knows your life is off the rails, and he still wants to adore you. Well, Chuck, how do I do it? It sounds this simple, because it is this simple. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, he'll hear you and answer you. And it sounds just like this, Jesus... Would you forgive me? I got some garbage in my life. Jesus, would you come take over my life, be my Lord and be my Savior, like be the boss. I, I want to repent. I want to I turn around and face you. And Jesus, I want to thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me. And according to you, you're sitting beside God right now praying for me in heaven and want to create a mansion for me when I trust you. You say, well, Chuck, that's what I want to do. Then pray with me right now. Just keep your eyes open. Just look right here and pray with me. Just say it along with me while you're sitting there. Maybe you're sitting watching online somewhere and just say it with me. Jesus, would you forgive me? Come into my life. I repent. I clean up my garbage. Make me new. I want to thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me. Would you make my temple clean and fill me with your spirit? With eyes eyes wide open, if today you say, Chuck, maybe I've said some kind of prayer before or not, but today I'm nailing this down once and for all. I know for a fact I'm getting my life right right now. Just stand up, all it takes is one. Just stand up. So Chuck, that's me today. Just stand up. Listen, I, Jesus died on a, on a hillside and hung on a cross at a main street corner. He didn't die in a closet afraid to stand up. He said, if you'll, if you'll declare me as Lord publicly, I will recognize you before the Father. So here's the thing. Today, you want to trust Jesus? Just stand up. I'll wait. But I'll promise you he's a king, not a beggar. Nobody? After you heard that music, after you heard that song, bless your heart, honey. There's another one. Stay standing up, y'all. Stay standing up. Stay standing up. Come on, stay standing up. Bless God. Anybody else? Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? Bless God. Bless God. Bless God. Anybody else? Bless Bless God. I see you. Come on, keep clapping. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on. God didn't give up on you. Don't give up on him. Bless God. The Lord Jesus says to you right now, you're my child, and I've claimed you to be mine. And all of heaven pitches a party in your name today. And the next thing Jesus wants is for you to follow him in believers' baptism, whatever the Spirit of God tells you to. Not before, not after. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for these folks. Thank you for their courage back in the back. Thank you for these people who said yes to Jesus. That wasn't easy. I pray you give them courage. Just let me know them and how to serve them. Someday soon, I'd see them baptized like these kids were today. But God, I can trust you with them because I can trust you. Father, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship real quick before we go. Come on, worship, y'all. saying i'm so grateful i've got a worship pastor who makes a big deal about the word of god Amen. i praise him thank you buddy hey listen if you're a member here at sugar hill raise your hand keep it up for a minute if you're a member here keep it high keep it high hey i want to tell you something okay keep them high keep them up keep them up there's few empty chairs around here And we had about six people saved today but i promise you after that music and after that message we should have had 30 and the only reason we didn't is you become lazy you're just going through life and there's not a blessed soul during the week you've said come here and hear the word of god and i want to tell you something i love you but in love go to work all right thank you You put your hands down listen i know y'all hate it when i do stuff like that but i'm telling you if god's at work join him Don't be lazy. This week, let Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good. And listen, my friend, you are always loved. And when life gets difficult, and it will, let that Jesus come behind you and pick you up and carry you not around the problem, but through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you. Only so he can say to you, my child, say it with me. I love you. God bless you, friend. Go in peace.